This is the World Industrial News for Thursday, November 10th, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part two of their podcast, How to Leverage the U.S. Infrastructure Bill to Modernize the U.S. Power Grid. Well, the, the reason I broke it down into three reasons is that the grid's a very complex thing. It's, it's all connected together. So an uh, earthquake in Southern California can cause a power plant in Utah to, to die. So I wanted to break it down into really simple what we have to do. Resiliency means we have to be able to withstand very large nonlinear events. Those today are primarily the weather. They could be wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, could be any of those. Resiliency is the term used in the industry that says we need to operate as best we can through these large nonlinear events. The second thing is we have to be able to get the power from where it's generated to where it is used. Most of the ideas behind sustainability is we're going to use more renewable power. The renewable power is primarily, in this country, solar and wind. The great resources for solar and wind don't happen to be in the cities. So somehow we have to get that power from places like Western Kansas to Seattle. The third thing is that we simply can't operate the way we always have. In the past, a lot of the stability comes from over-design. But in the new world, we have limited resources and we have to use a bare minimum of those. The most powerful tool we have available is new technology. And that's why I broke it down into basically three different buckets. Perfect. Thank you, Pat. <clears throat> that definitely lays a foundation for this discussion, and it opens the door for, for many questions, I'm sure. Mona, can you talk to us about the infrastructure bill, the breakdown, you know, what it contains, what it means for utilities throughout the U.S.? Absolutely, Megan. Um, and before I do so, I'd love to take a moment and step back and just appreciate this historic moment in time. Uh, the last time we had an infrastructure bill of this magnitude was likely under FDR, the New Deal. And so we are looking at $1.2 trillion in total spending. That's $550 billion in new spending, new spending that addresses many of the issues that, that Pat just outlined. Um, and when we're thinking about infrastructure, the definition of infrastructure has expanded greatly in our time. What used to just mean roads, bridges, highways. And now this infrastructure bill encompasses transportation, transit, energy, water sectors, uh, the utility uh, grid, and also thinking about environmental uh, environmental elements um, that are part of our uh, overall national infrastructure. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. 
A slight uptick in estimates for renewable energy on the U.S. grid does not translate to a decline in overall emissions, a new report from the U.S. Department of Energy finds. Delegates at the COP27 summit at the Egyptian resort city of Sharm el-Sheikh are naming and shaming polluters. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez spent the early part of the week condemning the so-called greenwashers who put forward strong statements on environmental, social, and governance goals and go after only the easiest emissions to abate. While certainly not an example of greenwashing, the latest report from the U.S. Energy Information Administration does little to ease the criticism of the progress made so far in the energy transition, particularly for major economies. Pemex announced financial losses in its third quarter report, though oil production and refining rates are higher than last year. Pemex's total sales increased by 56.5% when compared with the same period last year, with domestic and international sales increasing 69.3% and 44.5% respectively. Pemex has shown positive results in the downstream sector as it has been refining more. In the third quarter, the Mexican company, which has a domestic refining capacity of about 1.6 million barrels per day, processed 807,000 barrels per day. This is about 16% higher than the same period last year. Many energy transition experts look to hydrogen as a fuel that will someday lead the way in low emissions power generations, transportation, and other uses. Today, however, 90% of all hydrogen is generated from natural gas, created by separating the four hydrogen atoms from the one carbon atom. That then requires carbon capture and sequestration to make into blue hydrogen. Plus, the vast majority of the hydrogen that is created today is used in processing of chemicals and in refining of crude oil, primarily to reduce sulfur content of refined products such as diesel and heating oil. So the stated goals of flipping hydrogen more toward transportation and power grid use currently are a long way off. In its Global Hydrogen Review 2022, the second edition of this annual report, the International Energy Agency does expect growth in those sectors between now and 2030. They offer two predictive scenarios for 2030's hydrogen demand. And in a Wednesday webinar, industrial info experts, including Britt Burt, Vice President of Research for the Power Industry, discuss the current dynamics and future movement of the global power industry. In certain regions of the world, particularly the West, the power mix has been shaken up, with coal giving way to natural gas which is giving way to renewables. However, coal remains a leading form of baseload power in other parts of the world. And don't discount nuclear, which is gaining renewed interest because of its emissions-free generation. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck, reporting for Industrial Info News.